everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. As automotive computing makes endpoint security a moving target, massive changes seem to be underway for the automobile industry globally. The increasing incorporation of in-vehicle computer systems is with a hope that connected automobiles will take nations towards a mode of transport that is safer, smarter, and more efficient. When millions of automobiles are being intertwined into a network of connected devices to the internet, it raises many new concerns and questions about cybersecurity and privacy. Nations hope for a secure, smart, and safe tomorrow is built on today's disappointment as concerns are growing rapidly about critical security weaknesses in many of the internet-connected components that are integrated in new automobiles today. As of today, nations lack an effective security-centric infrastructure and framework for the automobile industry. In the absence of effective integrated security-centric risk management framework, infrastructure, tools, technologies, and processes, the computer code, connected computers, and information communication and digitalization technologies seem to be creating a perfect formulation for cyber attacks, espionage, and ransom. The connected cars and security breaches are becoming an actuality of life. When security vulnerability of one entity or industry has the potential to negatively impact assets in cyberspace, geospace, and space, managing the security risk becomes a fundamental necessity for each and every nation. So the big question today is, when the level of sophistication and brilliance among cyber criminals is getting similar, if not more, with the cyber defense community, how do we secure automobiles or anything connected to the internet? To discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Adrian Piermine. Adrian is the National Director for Smart Cities and Connected Vehicles. Welcome, Adrian. We're delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you very much for inviting me. Great, Adrian. So the increase in automobiles armed with internet-connected technology has opened the door for cyber criminals to control cars remotely. It seems cyber criminals today has the capability to take control of the vehicle, affect the steering wheel, accelerate the vehicle, activate the brakes, turn off the engine, and a lot more. There is a growing concern about whether it will be safe to drive in the coming years. Will it be safe to drive, Adrian? Well, I certainly think that we had better have all of these um, security <clears throat> risks that you just identified uh, fully addressed before we start putting um, cars on the road uh, with, especially sold through the regular channels. Um, there are several uh, connected vehicle and autonomous vehicle pilots going on around the country right now to, uh, to test and, and demonstrate the, some of the technology in a more controlled environment before uh, everything goes um, live to the general public. But uh, all those issues that you just addressed are the automotive industry and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration are familiar with and aware of and, and are making sure that they will be addressed before um, autonomous vehicles in particular and, and EV connected vehicles on a wide scale go live. 
That is good to know, Adrian. Now, it seems that Intel, in collaboration with some of its auto industry partners, has outlined its best practices, that is sort of recommendations for how automakers and the industry can best set up their vehicles for privacy and cybersecurity in the era of the next generation car. Now, how is the global auto industry preparing for the safety and security of next generation cars? Because to me, it seems, I'm not sure whether these uh, initiatives that Intel, the best practices that they released, if that is, you know, in collaboration with all the automakers all across nations. Can you share some uh, information about that if you are aware of it? Um, well, I, I'm, I'm a little bit aware of it. I'm not, I, I don't know the, the depths of it. Um, what I can say is um, the, all of the automakers are beginning to work together in ways that they never have had to before. Um, the, the, historically, um, there's been uh, uh, much more competition amongst them and, and really they, they didn't have to collaborate on, on a lot of things. Um, the connected vehicle and the autonomous vehicle are forcing them in, in many ways to uh, standardize on, on message sets and standardize on security uh, issues in ways they never have before. So um, it's, it's really new to them, to be honest. And, and they're, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't say that they're, everybody's working together perfectly, and I certainly wouldn't say everyone's working together perfectly internationally. Um, but I, uh, I can say that uh, they're working together in ways they never have before. That is, that is good to know. Now, there seems to be a growing list of cybersecurity risks to automobiles, malwares, trojans, and uh, you know many, many different kinds of you know uh, viruses and uh, uh, malwares are there. It is said that some of the biggest security issues automakers need to address today include creating a secure authentication system that ensures the various connected systems in a car are communicating with one another rather than an unknown outside source. So what are the industry efforts towards secure authentication systems? Are, can you, based on your experience and uh, involvement, can you share some lights on that? Well, um... Connected means a lot of different things, first of all, and, and so that's part of what's making the conversation challenging for some. Um, there, there are a number of different communication paths that you can use to connect to a vehicle. Uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation focuses primarily on what they call DSRC or dedicated short-range communications. Um, and the, the USDOT and, and partners have invested really heavily in that particular um, uh, spectrum area and have developed a lot of security and authentication uh, protocols around the DSRC. Um, but there are a number of other ways of connecting to vehicles for different applications and different purposes. And probably the, the widest um, way that, that our vehicles are currently connected is, is uh, just over the cellular networks. And so then each of the different applications that, um, uh, whether it's an infotainment solution, whether it's a navigation solution or application, um, how the developer of that particular application has set up their security, how the auto manufacturer or whoever is managing the connection link 
um, there's a wide range of um, security applications and, and that, that have been set up for each of those. And that's where things are kind of breaking down a little bit is that when, when they're using DSRC and communicating locally between vehicle to vehicle and vehicle to infrastructure, they are using a highly uh, secure uh, authentication protocol. But when they're going over these other applications and other services, um, that's where it seems like the industry has a long way to go on standardizing. Right. No, that is very good information. And uh, just like you mentioned that, you know, the Wi-Fi service that, you know, they are using. Now, there are reports that ethical hackers were able to take control and kill the accelerator of a Jeep in motion on the freeway. So it seems that the vulnerability they were able to exploit was the Wi-Fi that you were just talking about. And although this hack followed a large recall from an auto manufacturer to fix that bug, this is a cause of serious concern because you know Wi-Fi networks are not secured. And if they are used that often and that extensively, then it is a cause of concern. Now, has there been any integrated effort to identify and evaluate automotive automobile security risk by the industry in total like is there any effort going on so that they can come up with all these you know different every single you know security risk that they think you know they would be facing and then what they need to do uh, do you know if any effort is going on around that well just to clarify um you, you mentioned wi-fi it's actually uh, not wi-fi but uh, the cellular commercial cellular data network that um, was used in the uh, GPAC and is used for most um, of the uh, commercial applications, not, not Wi-Fi, but- So they're not um, using Wi-Fi? No, what, um, they, they're using the commercial cellular data network and then they can create a Wi-Fi hotspot on the vehicle itself. And that's one of the uh, connected vehicle applications that a lot of the auto manufacturers um, think that, that we as users want. And then once the vehicle is a, a, a Wi-Fi hotspot, there's yet another uh, potential path for uh, security and invasion problems. But the um, but the main connection between the Jeep and uh, the central applications and services that were being offered there is over the cellular data network. Uh, there is a lot of activity going on in in trying to make the uh, trying to make those connections more secure. Um, both at the federal level with the U.S. Department of Transportation and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, as well as um, by the automakers and, and several different consortia. But um, there's certainly a long way to go. And, and when you take a, a hacker and a Wired magazine writer and they're able to, to do something like that and demonstrate something like that, it was a, I think it was a great wake-up call for the industry. Yes, yes, that's very true. But I think they use the Wi-Fi, right? How, how they were able to hack into that. From what I you know read that they use the Wi-Fi, so I got really concerned that if Wi-Fi was you know used uh, as a you know mode to hack into uh, this kind of you know systems, that is really a cause of concern. But uh, I'm glad you clarified and you know you gave all that information. So that would really help in the assessment and the, also you know help our global viewers and listeners understand these a little bit better. Now some U.S. lawmakers are promoting isolating critical software systems from the rest of a vehicle's internal network. Do you think that's a sensible strategy and do you know how far we are in uh, progression of that, you know, law or whatever the lawmakers are trying to do? 
Um, I don't know as much about that. Um, and, and I apologize, going back to my earlier comment, it, I, I need to go back and reread that article because the hackers may have used the vehicle's Wi-Fi to get into the network, but I know that they were doing the remote control of that vehicle from a much further distance away. So I think they were communicating with it over the cellular network, but they may have used the Wi-Fi of the vehicle to get in there in the first place. Um, but coming back to your most recent question, um, the a, a lot of the ways that um, uh, that new service providers are trying to connect to the old uh, older vehicles that were not built as connected vehicles is to plug into the onboard diagnostics port of the vehicle that was originally not built for those purposes. It was built for you to pull a car into a mechanic shop and the mechanic to plug into your computer and read your diagnostics codes and alarms and reset the alarms and, and know what they needed to fix. And so anytime that we're taking a, a, a system that was built for one purpose and then trying to repurpose it um, in the way that they're doing, uh, I, I think opens up new risks because that wasn't what it was built for originally. And so I think there's a lot of neat applications and neat things that you can do by plugging a communications device into that OBD, the onboard diagnostics port, and making that a connected car. But it uh, apparently opens up a lot of risks too if you don't have the associated uh, security wrapped around it. So um, the details then of how they isolate those other onboard systems, I think a big part of it is just a move away from, from using that port in the way that they've been using it. Um, but beyond that, uh, it's getting a little past my technical depth. Yes, yes, I know, but that is a good information you shared, Adrian. Now, connected vehicles that navigate themselves and leave humans, that is us as passive passengers, I think are already being road tested. So vehicles are now featured with a complex system of scanners, radars, lasers, GPS devices, cameras, and software. So vehicles that drive themselves, it's anticipated that it will be on roads relatively very soon in near future. So while it remains uncertain how quickly the public will embrace self-driving vehicles, what happens when one does malfunction? Are there any scenarios that are being you know, planned for that? Because once these uh, vehicles, autonomous vehicles, connected cars and autonomous vehicles will be on the road, self-driving cars, it will be with the you know other cars that are you know driving on the road where humans are driving it. So are there any, are there any scenario planning happening by the industry to anticipate what kind of you know challenges they would be facing if there is a malfunction? How because that could if there is a malfunction of an autonomous vehicle, that could have a very broad impact on the you know freeway or whichever road or communities that is happening. So how is this being addressed and you know planned you know have this kind of you know scenarios challenges kind planning happening for the, with the industry okay well you 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 actually brought up two or three different um points within within that question and i'll, I'll try to peel them apart a little bit um one of the points that you brought up was the fact that under under any prediction scenario of how fast autonomous vehicles are coming and the rate at which they're going to be introduced and, and the percentages of, of the fleets that are gonna be autonomous vehicles. Um, you can either be on the, 
optimistic side or the pessimistic side or, or whatever. But the fact of the matter is for years, we're going to be driving in a mixed environment where some percentage of the cars have no automation, some percentage have partial automation, and some percentage are fully autonomous. And that is going to be a, uh, a rough and, and strange uh, time period because um, autonomous vehicles are don't drive like human beings. They're not as predictable in the sense that, um, well, they're, they're totally predictable because they're following all the rules. And in a lot of cases, um, they're following the rules too much. And so humans are used to actually making eye contact with one another in a lot of cases, anticipating and defensive driving measures, all of these kinds of things that autonomous vehicles don't. And so when we drive differently than one another, it's going to, it's going to cause its own set of problems. And it's going to just be a rough transition period for, for, honestly, decades, probably. Um, so that's that's one issue. Um, the uh, Google is, is probably furthest out ahead of, of anybody in terms of testing of autonomous vehicles. And I think that it's just uh, with, with every manufacturer and every car that's going to be released that's fully autonomous, um, it, there's going to have to be nearly the same level of, of testing with a human operator behind the wheel for a, a period of time before um, we're comfortable um, putting those cars on the road. And, and um, so I think that that's a, a part of it is just that every of the early entry uh, manufacturers are going to have to do an awful lot of testing and uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, again, is, is paying very close attention to this and trying to come out with some rules yeah. around it. Um, one of the other interesting things that, that this brings up is that uh, kind of like I was mentioning earlier that the auto manufacturers um, haven't had to collaborate in the same way that they are now. Uh, the other interesting point there is that the owners, designers, builders, operators of the roadways um, haven't historically had to collaborate with the auto manufacturers in the past. They're just really, even though they seem to us as their general citizens to be too very closely related industries. Um, they really were this one group builds the roads and, and the traffic signals and this other group builds and sells cars and, and they don't have to collaborate very much. Um, as we move toward this new future with uh, connected and autonomous vehicles, those two entities have to be communicating and coordinating in ways they never have before. And that's um, you know been posing its own challenges as well, but there's an awful lot of effort, again, that the same organizations that the um, uh, U.S. Department of Transportation and, and NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and uh, our, our American um, Motor Vehicles, uh, the, the national level of, of licensing, um, a, a bunch of these entities have been working on this together. And it's going to take a lot of collaboration and a lot of testing um, uh, before everybody's comfortable, you know, opening that, opening the roads up. And, and different states are currently wrestling themselves with um, how far on the leading edge or bleeding edge do they want to be with being test beds. There's a lot of uh, benefits to moving this industry forward. There's just such tremendous safety benefits with um, the autonomous features of these vehicles that uh, we want to get there as quickly as we can. There really will be many millions of, of lives saved in the long run, but we have to get there in a in a safe manner. So it's a it's an interesting time we're in right now. Yes, absolutely. It is it is very interesting time, and especially uh, the like you said, you know, the challenge 
there are so many challenges that remain uh, to be you know solved and they're very substantial because an autonomous vehicle needs to be able to think on its own and react as you know we humans do like if we are crossing a road and we see a ball rolling we would know that some you know probably kid is uh, some child is playing nearby and we would be we would take an action that we should stop there but the artificial intelligence based you know these connected cars or automatic autonomous vehicles they need to be able to have that kind of inferential thinking and that i'm not sure if we have reached that stage of ai advancement artificial intelligence advancement where you know they will be able it will be able to have that kind of judgment call that you know we i need to stop right now so there are a lot of challenges that needs to be overcome and then what you said that you know everyone needs uh, to learn to work collaboratively that is the biggest challenge i see across nations and across industries because you know we have been so used to working in silo and now with the advances that we are having with the, like you know autonomous vehicles or artificial intelligence or cyber security challenges all these challenges requires integration and cooperation because everything is interconnected and interdependent now so that we cannot work in silo we cannot say okay i will fix my own problems i will manage my own risk and you know that will take care of all the problem because even if you manage your own risk there are only some risks that you will be able to solve on your own or manage on your own there are so many risks that is interdependencies and you need to be able to cooperate and work together so that is a huge challenge that i see because nations are just not used to working like that and to have that kind of framework it's going to and to have that kind of approach and mindset i think it's going to take a long time so we'll have to wait and see how that goes forward now while strong auto security is essential to maintaining the continued trust of its customers and integrity of the automobiles and its products how is automobile industry addressing the growing concerns of the safety and security of the automobile security risk because we have been talking about this but i i have been researching i have done a lot of research on this and i have not come across any any initiative by the industry that gives you confidence that they are taking this you know very seriously and there is a structured effort going on i may not have you know come across all the information but because you are part of this industry do you think uh, do you have any knowledge that there is some structured effort going on to understand the safety and security risk of this um there definitely is there's there's a very concerted effort around that and uh I uh, yeah I wish I would have known that that question was coming cuz I I could dig up the uh the specifics of a couple of the organizations that that have been created um around this issue. Um I will go ahead and and do that as a follow up that you can share with your um with your viewers however you can do it after this <laughs> but um I I I can definitely uh share some uh, specifics of some of the organizations that are working behind that and, and make you a little bit more comfortable that there is a concerted effort that would be great and that would you know help a lot now it seems that data is becoming uh, very important it's as important as gasoline diesel electricity just like you know for us humans it's like air food and water uh, so now when it comes to driving a connected car today the auto industry's effort to prioritize and provide functionality for information and data 
comes at the cost of critical security it is just like you know how the applications are being developed these days you know uh, in the cyberspace everybody wants to provide functionality for their business or initiatives and nobody the security is not a priority in that they just want to have the functions you know functionality is the priority right now so but that comes at the cost if you if they focus only on functionality and not think about security it gives you know uh, there are huge imbalances that are being created so how how can the auto industry provide data security because so much data is generated because of the connected cars you know data everybody who is driving everybody who is connected to all the data is generated and you know the auto industry has the data so how is the auto industry providing uh, how is first of all how are they storing it protecting it and making sure that you know the data is secured well there's there's a couple different issues again that that are bundled up into that question i think and and part of it is data security and part of it's data privacy and part of it's data ownership and yes. um and you know you, all, all three of those issues are um I think your your statement's just absolutely right that they and I think this is true about a lot of industries and a lot of applications that are being built around the internet of things is that everyone's racing to get the applications themselves built the functionality themselves built and in a lot of cases if it's a connected teddy bear or something like that the risks of having um, poor security are, are pretty low the risks of the uh, data ownership around that connected teddy bear are, are pretty low. You get into the uh, the automobile industry and lives are literally on the line. And so obviously the risks are much, much higher than in so many of the other applications. And I think that, um, again, going back to the, the Wired Magazine article and the GPAC, um, I, I think those kinds of things of really shining a light on this are really important to the industry and showing, um, you, you know, the industry knows that um, their number one goal, uh, the manufacturing industry anyway, their number one goal is to sell cars. And they know that they're not going to sell cars um, if their customer base is concerned of their security or their data privacy. Um, so they know that anytime that an article comes out like this, it's hurting both the industry on, on the whole, and it's definitely hurting the, the particular manufacturers from a, uh, from a perception standpoint. So they have all the business incentive in the world to make sure that uh, they get the security right and that they're not the next ones that are written up in one of those articles. Uh, the data privacy and ownership are, uh, I think a little even more challenging, honestly, because they don't have necessarily the same business incentives. People aren't quite as adamant about um, uh, their uh, privacy and, and ownership of their data as they probably should be. Um, and, and customers have proven that they're willing to give up a lot of privacy and a lot of data ownership if they feel like they're getting value out of, uh, out of the transaction. And that's kind of what Google has, has proven in a number of different fronts. Um, so I don't know how well that answered your question, but I, I can say again that the combination of uh, the business incentive on the security side with the movement that's already going on in the industry to, to make sure that they are developing good, robust security measures, um, I'm, I'm more confident that 
the security um, issues are going to get handled. I'm not as confident that uh, the uh, data ownership and privacy issues are going to be handled for some time to come. And I think that once uh, some other issues start to come up where people are taking advantage of um, uh, the data ownership and, and privacy issues, and then the articles start to come around that, um, then the automotive industry will have a little bit more incentive to, uh, to figure that out. Um, I do think as well that uh, a number of the auto manufacturers have um, signed on, literally signed on to agreements about privacy and ownership. And so they're trying to be more transparent about that. I think um, a lot of folks are wondering how much of the data ownership question is why Google is getting into the automotive uh, industry and the self-driving car industry to begin with, because there's going to be amazing amounts of personal data that are available from those cars. So. Yes, I think the data is going to be at the center of, you know, a lot of uh, complex security challenges that we will be facing in the coming years because, uh, you know, with the autonomous vehicles and connected cars, it's uh, every, all the information would be there, where a person is living, where is he going, you know, and there is so much more, who is he talking to, because everything is connected. And I think there are a lot of securities right there, but there is, there's also another big concern really, is that there are some devices available at the moment that can attack communication system of cars and allows a hacker to track, unlock and start the vehicle. It is said, uh, it's, it was reported and I read it somewhere that a hacker planted the device in a discrete place on a on some vehicle and he just waited. And then it was reported that the device was capable of copying a friendly Wi-Fi network and then tricking a nearby smartphone into connecting silently with it. So once connected, it was able to capture commands from the driver's smartphone to the system, including all the credentials, user's name, email, home address, credit card details, and whatnot. So this is a very critical security. If, if these are the kind of gaps that we have, in the security of you know, autonomous vehicles or connected cars. This is a cause of very serious concern because how can you prevent such intrusions? But it, because hackers are equally smart or probably sometimes much smarter than you know, the people who are developing all these uh, different you know, uh, systems, autonomous vehicle system and uh, connected cars and all. And they are, they are just very smart and capable of figuring out how to find the gaps and how to you know, create things by which we can easily capture all the information that we want. So how, are we, how is the industry going to be able to prevent such intrusions if these kind of equipments are available? Well, um, I, I think what you've said about the auto industry is true about almost all industries. And I'm sure that your other um, podcasts are, are saying many of these same things and, and, and talking about uh, in every industry. The, um, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't say that the hackers are smarter than the professionals that are working on the security side, but we certainly know. Some, that I won't say all of them, but some are smarter. <laughs> Not certain, all of them. And, and as, as you know, uh, from the entire uh, security industry, this is a constant challenge of, of trying to stay ahead of them. And, um, you know, and I think with, with like every other industry, part of it's going to be to make sure that the industry themselves are hiring some of those best hackers um, to 
constantly be trying to break the system. Um, I think that, uh, again, the um, initiatives to standardize on a lot of the security protocols are going to help with a lot of this stuff. I think that, um, uh, that any time that new systems and applications are being developed and new communication links are being developed, um, new security risks are being opened up, and hopefully, you know, the, the hackers now are, are trying to do it to gain notoriety and, and be in the magazine articles and not trying to do it for, and uh, that we can ad address as many of these issues as we can while it's, it's not for, uh, people aren't doing it for safety reasons. Um, uh, but again, the, the auto industry has every business incentive in, in the world to get this figured out before um, these systems are, are too widely deployed in their cars. Um, because if they don't, their competition will. And it's yet another reason why I will buy, uh, you know, a Ford instead of a Toyota or a, a Volvo instead of a what, whatever. So um, I think that the market will drive uh, security innovation. That will, that will certainly, most certainly. Now, there is some good news also. I mean, you know, I heard that the automobile industry has formed an information sharing analysis center, ISAC, yeah. to share intelligence on vulnerabilities in car electronics, in vehicle data networks, and so on. But the question is whether, I'm not sure, I couldn't get that information, whether ISAC is global, regional, or national, and whether automakers are actually there is another concern that whether automakers are actually sharing security vulnerability data, you know, fully. That is my big concern. So what can you tell our global viewers and listeners about the effectiveness in sharing risk intelligence? Because see, all these organizations can be created in the, for the namesake, you know, that we have this, you know, working towards the auto secure, automobile industry security and uh, everyone is cooperating. But how much cooperation is there and how much intelligence is being shared? That is, you know, the big question here. So what are your thoughts on that? What are your observations about ISAC? Um, well, I think that um, when I was mentioning earlier that um, I was going to go do a little bit more research and give you some follow-up information on one of your earlier questions about um, the, the coordination efforts that are underway. This is actually one of the key ones that I was referring to. So you, you are familiar with it. Um, I uh, just have to admit that I, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I have to admit that I don't know uh, a whole lot more about it and, and how exactly effective it is. Um, and what I would offer instead is to um, introduce you to uh, some of the folks that are leading up the efforts of the ISOC. And, um, you know, if you have a follow up to this, and I'm sure you this isn't the last time that you're going to want to talk about uh, security in the automobile industry, um, that uh, I, I know a couple of folks that, that are far more uh, well versed in all of these, all of these security topics, actually, that we're covering here today. It's not really the, the center part of my area of expertise. Okay, fair enough. No, I appreciate that. That would be great, you know, the introduction. Now, the the words like cybersecurity, uh, the cybersecurity and safety, you know, if you look at it individually, may have very different meanings for auto engineers as well as IT engineers. Because security is used in the context of a vehicle's physical security also. That is, 
you know, if you look at the locks or, you know, anti-theft disabling mechanisms and security is also viewed in the context of vehicle cybersecurity, like data security and all those, you know, other uh, security parameters that come there. So how is the auto automotive industry or automobile industry working to enhance and ensure integration of both these security features from cyberspace and geospace? If you look at it in a, or in simpler terms, physical and digital security or geosecurity and cybersecurity, how are they integrating their efforts in that? Well, uh, I, I think most of the traditional automakers are largely still in a learning uh, process around that. Um, it's, uh, it's one of the things I think that um, it's Google and Tesla and some of the other um, sort of new entrants into the auto world that come from an IT uh, background first um, are kind of out further ahead of the game in, in how to address these issues because they have the IT background first and are, are building cars now. Um, and I, 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 I honestly, I don't know how much more I can answer on that. The, uh, I, I think that the traditional auto manufacturers are very familiar very well versed with what safety and security means from a mechanical standpoint. And they've, they've gone through testing of their safety of their vehicles for, for decades. And they've um, had to figure out security systems to keep, you know, the vehicles from getting robbed and, and some have been more and, and successful than other ones. Um, but uh, I think that the, the IT part of the securities is a new emerging area. And I think they're just rapidly, trying to find the best people and, and get up to speed on it. But um, I, I think it's it's really early in the process still. I see. I see. I understand that. Now, it seems that some aftermarket parts suppliers and insurance companies have been lobbying policymakers to require automakers to disclose more and more information about proprietary systems that are behind the firewall in the, you know, connected cars, auto, auto cars that are coming up, while this, there is importance of balancing access to information such as use of software to repair a vehicle because, uh, I mean, as we go forward uh, over the years, we have, you know, so many new softwares are necessary to operate the car because of GPS and, you know, because of many other systems that are controlled by it. So, so so the software used to repair a vehicle does not jeopardize then there is a need to maintain the security of a vehicle system so how would because see unless people go take their cars to the authorized dealers then they have that information about the software and all that but if they go to some outside you know uh, repair shops or aftermarket part suppliers then they don't have access to that software. So how is the industry going to balance the security issue? Um, well, again, there's uh, probably two or three different issues ro rolled up into that. One was uh, the, what a lot of people aren't aware of is how many uh, third party uh, providers are involved with the construction of an automobile in, in the more traditional um, automobile market. It's one, again, one of the advantages that, that Tesla has over the rest of the industry is having sort of complete control over all of the, the parts and pieces and computers that are on that, um, on that vehicle. Whereas 
most of the auto manufacturing industry uses um, what they call tier one and tier two and, and even lower tier uh, providers to provide so many of the, the, the components. So then uh, the car is then assembled with all of these different devices, different computers and, and different, you know, security levels um, from all of these different devices. And I think that uh, as Tesla continues to grow as a company and gets more and more press and they're able to do things like um, push out software upgrades over the air to a vehicle to offer all this new functionality that the vehicle didn't have before. I think that that is demonstrating um, a value in, um, in having more of that end-to-end -end ownership of all of the systems on that car. Um, I think it's going to be a, a bit of a market separator, and I think that the uh, auto industry is going to have to uh, learn some lessons from it and, and work together with their um, with their providers to um, to address that issue. Um, and I, it's an issue that you know was not visible to the rest of the industry until cars became connected, and and now that they are connected. Um, I think it's obvious uh, that having so many different providers um, involved with the supply chain of a car um, may be a very efficient way to manufacture a car, but it, it adds uh, whole new security and communication challenges that weren't visible before. Yes, um, right. and, I, and I don't think that the, those issues are so overwhelming that the auto industry is going to go away from using their their supply chain. I think that, that there's a lot of reasons that they're going to probably continue in the business model largely that they have, but they are going to have to figure out um, a combination of standards and uh, just a lot better coordination among their partners uh, to address these issues. Yes, yes, no, that is very true. Now, I've also heard that some automakers are planning to upload the vehicle operating software wirelessly. Now, if the wireless network is hacked, and it's very easy to hack wireless network, the damage that can be caused to large number of automobiles directly and other assets in geospace, you know, indirectly would be very significant. Isn't this a cause of concern to, you know, upload the vehicle operating uh, software wirelessly? Um, it's, it's a cause of concern to think about uploading the operating system wirelessly if you have not address the security issues up front, absolutely. Um, and uh, this again is an area where I think it'd be interesting to dig deeper into Tesla, who is the, the first ones proving this model right now um, of, of uploading uh, new functionality over the air and how, um, uh, just finding out how they have addressed the security issues on, on their end. Um, but absolutely, I mean, if the if the auto manufacturer has not addressed the security concerns, um, they have no business in uploading operating systems over the air. Yes, no, that is very true. Now, uh, Adrian, it seems you have been involved with smart cities and connected vehicles. Uh, based on your involvement with the initiatives, what is that one thing you would like to change in how we address automobile security today, if, if not, even in the United States, if not all the uh, nations, you know, all over the world. 
Boy, um, I, I guess the, the one thing I would change, and, and you've alluded to it a couple times in this, in this discussion, um, is the, um, the auto manufacturer's uh, willingness to cooperate as fully as possible with one another on this. Um, I think that the history of competition in the industry uh, is so deeply ingrained and so fierce that, um, that a lot of folks have, have had a hard time adapting to this. Um, but I think that, that the industry just quite simply needs to recognize that it's in everybody's best interest, um, in all the manufacturers' best interest, to collaborate as fully and, and as transparently as possible on the security side of this. Um, there's all these other ways that they can continue to compete and continue to um, make sure that their vehicle has functions and features and is sexier than everyone else's. But when it comes to security of the connected vehicle, um, I think that collaboration between the traffic side and, and the auto manufacturer side and the collaboration among all the auto manufacturers is, um, is, is most important. And I think there's a lot of them that would argue that, um, that I don't know what I'm talking about and that they are collaborating um, amazingly well. Um, but from my observation, that's the place that I would, I would just you know, encourage yet even more. Yes, no, I think that is the heart of uh, where our efforts need to be so that we all can, you know, collectively uh, and collaboratively and cooperate with cooperation, we can uh, tackle all these big challenges that are in front of us, you know, security challenges because of the integrated, interconnected, interdependent risk that we all face. So you are right, absolutely right about that. So Adrian, thank you so much for uh, sharing uh, you know, so much of your valuable time with us today and uh, to come on Risk Roundup. I know it is a very busy time for you. And in spite of that, you are passionate about this, you know, area. So you, you know, decided to come, you know, as early as possible. And I appreciate that rather than waiting, you know, till your work was, you know, you had some free time and you had some sort of normalcy in your, uh, you know, business life. But uh, I appreciate that, Adrian, and I'm sure our global viewers and listeners are going to benefit tremendously from what you had to say today. And we, uh, like you said, you know, this is not the only roundup uh, that is focusing on automobile security. We will be having many, many, you know, sessions uh, in the coming uh, weeks, months and years to continue talking about the automobile security risk so that we all can collectively you know, manage this security risk that we all are uh, about to face when the autonomous vehicles and as we progress with the connected cars. So thank you, Adrian. Okay, thank you. So while on the surface, threats to vehicle technology currently appear isolated and unrelated, the reality of the security threats facing connected cars is very controversial. In the coming years, as the digital connectivity and technology becomes more prevalent, so too will be the security risk associated with, with it. Securing connected cars is not about technology alone. It is equally about processes, framework, human factor, organizations, legal aspects, policy, and much more. While global security standards and best practices are yet to emerge for this industry, for our safety and security, 
Each one of us need to educate ourselves with connected cars and the whole automobile ecosystem that is involved in delivering smart services from the moving endpoints to the data center and cloud and account for each of these components in our integrated security strategy in cyberspace, geospace, and space. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing NGIOA in CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, academia, in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secured for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com. Do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.